back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have a dinner party. So our topic today is tofu. So for those of you who haven't tuned into a Zillennials dinner party before, essentially what we do is we pick a recipe or an ingredient and we both come up with two different recipes that we find, you know, either from our daily lives or we find from somewhere on the internet, etc. We share them with each other and we each make these recipes. So, Leon, do you want to talk a little bit about what your recipe was? Sure. My recipe was a tofu scramble from Rainbow Plant Life. I decided to make this recipe for a couple of reasons. One was I had tried making a tofu scramble a few months ago, a couple months ago, and it honestly was not very good. Like, I didn't really like it. It was really dry. And... I think the tofu didn't really take on that much flavor. I mean, I personally don't think tofu can ever taste exactly like eggs. So like that wasn't really what I was looking for, but I just didn't think it had much flavor. And so then over break, I had more time and I was just kind of decompressed from the semesters. And I also wanted to get my eating back on track because I feel like especially towards the end of the semester with, let's say, stress eating mixed with Christmas and the holidays. Lots of good food, but definitely not always the most healthy. And so I found this channel on YouTube, Rainbow Plant Life. I think the woman's name is Nisha Vora. And so I went down this rabbit hole watching almost like all her videos. And she cooks vegan recipes, but I've tried a few of them at this point and I've really liked them. I think I've made them vegan when I made them. I might have used like real butter sometimes instead of the vegan butter but i did get vegan butter recently and it's pretty good um it was just olive oil butter but anyway back to the tofu scramble so i found her recipe and it looked really good and what i thought made it unique is that you almost make this little sauce that you pour over your tofu and i was thinking that that would help resolve my issue with the other one being dry and having no flavor and i think it did It also uses a unique ingredient that I hadn't used before, which is the Indian black salt, which does have this kind of sulfury, eggy smell to it. But then like when you put it on your food, it doesn't. It's just more like when you open the bottle. And so I think that also made it kind of more eggy. So I definitely liked this one. I thought it was pretty easy to make. And I didn't make it specifically for this dinner club because it is a recipe that I make semi-frequently I'd say like every other week every couple weeks kind of thing anyway so like it's kind of in my rotation now what was your experience like with this recipe so this one I was not expecting to like it as much as I did I would say one of the things that probably surprised me the most is at the end of this your recipe really does look like eggs it very much has that appearance and I did not put in paprika um just because i think it is and this is kind of a hot take an inferior spice i don't think it adds anything at all so therefore i don't use it just on principle just on principle i don't like it my parents okay my parents would always put paprika 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 (laughs) i say paprika sometimes ironically because i dislike it so much and now i just can't stop um but (laughs) sometimes But sometimes, like, when I was growing up, they would put paprika on our pizza. 
And it just weirded me out because they were like, oh, it gives it such a nice color. And I was like, no, it just looks like little red flakes on top of your pizza. I don't, I don't understand. What are you trying to do? And so now just because, you know, I've let this just fester for so long, clearly I have some vendetta against paprika that I just can't explain. I feel like it's, I don't know if I can name one off the top of my head right now for me, but it's like that thing where if you've hung on to it for so long, at this point, you can't go back. Yeah, like the other day, my boyfriend was over at my place and we were cooking some food and he was like, oh, it calls for paprika. And I was like, oh, I don't have any. And he was like, you should get some. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So you would never make chicken paprikash then? What? I don't, what is that? I think it has paprika. I think that's where the paprikash comes from. But like paprika is only for color. It's not for spice, in my opinion. I've never truly been able to distinguish the taste of paprika. Maybe I just have an inferior palate. I don't know. Okay. I am looking this up, but I need to like scroll through all the like history on paprikash. Oh, I hate this about blogs. I'm sorry if you write food blogs, but. Dude, food blogs, they have like such a long-winded explanation before they actually get to the point. Like they have like paragraphs upon paragraphs upon paragraphs. I don't understand why they do it. I feel like everybody that I personally know tends to just get really annoyed. Like nobody wants to hear your personal story on whatever is whatever it is that you're talking about. And I I'm not trying to be like rude about it, but it's just the truth. But also, that's like a lot coming from two people just putting our opinions out there on the internet. I know. I know. I feel bad. We're like, sorry, blog person. We don't want to hear your opinions, but we will release 30 to 50 minute episodes weekly on ours. Okay, that's fair. I mean, but the thing is, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. Okay, I argue too that if people are listening to this podcast, they're listening to listen to the podcast. When I go on a food blog, I go for the recipe, not your story. But anyway, for the record, chicken paprikash does have three to four tablespoons of paprika. They say the trick is to use the right paprika. Maybe I just haven't found the right paprika then. They say Hungarian paprika. I don't think I've ever tried Hungarian paprika. Paprika? Paprika. (laughs) I saw your face. I knew you wanted to say it that way. Oh my gosh. It's like exclusively how I say it now. It's it's so bad. Like I need to train myself to not because someday like it's gonna come up in a conversation and I'm I'm just going to stutter and just not be able to say it and it's it's gonna be a trip. Okay, so you didn't use paprika, which honestly the last time I made it, I didn't use it either because I had run out. And personally, to go to your point, I don't really think I tasted a difference. Mm-hmm. This is why paprika is overrated. But as a whole, I thought that the recipe was pretty good. Like you said, if you go into it like expecting it to taste exactly like eggs, you're probably going to be disappointed. But I feel like as like a recipe that you know is like, it's tofu. It's meant to be like a little bit kind of like eggs, but not 100%. I feel like it's a good recipe. Like, I would make it again. I would make it for, like, a morning if I didn't want to make eggs. And I don't know. It was just really satisfying to me because it really did look like eggs. I think that's part of why I liked it so much is just the appearance, especially if you crumble your tofu to the right size, it really looks like eggs. And I, like I said before, I really think the sauce makes a difference. If you 
made tofu scramble in the past and you haven't used a sauce and you thought it was kind of nasty or tasted like cardboard, try this recipe because that's what happened to me and this one is way better. Yeah. And for those of you who are out there who like your eggs a little bit more like runny, I would say that this is probably going to be something that you really like because it does allow you to get more of that runny consistency. Personally, I'm not somebody who likes my eggs very runny, so I cooked it for like a while after because I know in the recipe they said something like 30 seconds to a minute. But that may have also been because like for my tofu, I think I pressed it 15 minutes or just shy of and I probably could have pressed it for a little bit longer. I think that's what's nice about the sauce, though, because it gives that wiggle room to cook your tofu scramble almost if it was like eggs. Because some people like their scrambled eggs softer. Some people like them more solid. I, I think like you like it a little more solid. But yeah, I don't I don't really have that much more to say on this because I'm just like, I like this and I make it a lot now. I have one more thing to say on it, though. This was my first time using nutritional yeast ever, which I have come across many recipes that call for nutritional yeast and I could never find it anywhere. But for our listeners out there who are like, I want to try nutritional yeast, but I have no idea where to get it. Go to Whole Foods. And I know some of you are going to like side eye me really hard right now and be like, Whole Foods is so expensive. Honestly, I feel like for some of their health foods, they're actually pretty reasonable because all of the nutritional yeast that I found online was like $6 and it was like seven at Whole Foods. It was pretty comparable and I couldn't find it at any other grocery store that I went to. So I would say it's worth it. Not to mention, I got my tofu from a different grocery store this time and it was like $2.50 there. And I was like, that's kind of expensive for tofu. When I went to Whole Foods, their tofu was $1.70. And I was like, Whole Foods, I feel like I've been sleeping on all of your health foods because I feel like you actually have somewhat reasonably priced health foods. You know what I think is that I think because foods that I think people previously thought of as exclusively health foods are becoming more mainstream now. And I think the regular grocery stores are kind of catching on that they're like, oh, I can charge more for this now. Whereas all the whole time people were going to Whole Foods for this type of thing. Yeah. So for those of you who are out there looking for nutritional yeast, Whole Foods is a good place for that. They had like three or four different varieties. I was like, ooh, that's interesting. I got the normal one, though. I didn't know there were varieties. I usually just get the Bob's Red Mill one, but I couldn't find it last time I went. So then my mom got me the Bragg's nutritional yeast, which I haven't opened yet. But I really like nutritional yeast. I think it's that thing where maybe you might have to acclimate to the taste. Because I think in the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. But then now I've used it in, I think, a chickpea pot pie, maybe. I've used it in, I used it in a soup that I made that you make it all creamy. I really like it. I forget. Oh, I made a creamy pantry pasta from Rainbow Pant Life. But then I got, I'm at the point where like, oh, this doesn't taste nutritional yeasty enough. So I added extra. I don't know. I really like it. You know, when I've heard of it being used in the past, I feel like I would always see it in recipes that wanted you to have like a sort of cheesy flavor, but didn't want to use cheese. So for those of you who are like, what would I use this for? That would probably be something that you would use that for. Yes, but I think you should also be careful if you've never used it before, because I think that, I guess for an analogy, 
This recipe is to real scrambled eggs what nutritional yeast is to cheese. Like, they're not going to taste the same. Like, don't go in there and, like, dump a bunch in and expect it to taste like Kraft or Annie's mac and cheese or something. You know, because then you get let down. But if you go in and be like, oh, this is kind of cheesy, like, it's the same idea, the same essence, but it will taste a little different. That's very true. Also, you guys, apologies if my voice is kind of weird or if I sound like I have a stuffy nose. I've had a cold all the last week. But, but I'm feeling better now. I, th- I thought it was allergies, and then I was like, I don't think it's allergies, but I think I'm doing okay now. So I think I'm coming out the other end of it, which is good. That's good to hear. Yeah. So it's been a journey. Honestly, at one point, I thought I had COVID, but then I tested, and I did not have COVID. And I was like, well, thank goodness I don't have COVID. But that's literally what getting sick in these times is like. You're just like, your mind automatically goes to COVID, and then you realize there's like, probably hundreds or thousands or I don't know, millions. I don't know how many there are. Other sicknesses that you could get? Definitely. So I have a question. Would you be using nutritional yeast in, I don't know, the monthly, the weekly life more? I don't think so, just because a lot of the recipes that I currently have in my rotation do not hinge on on nutritional yeast, and it can be a little bit pricey. But then again, you don't use that much of it. So I'm like, I don't know if it's actually that pricey. Kind of depends on how much you use of it. But I personally don't think I would use nutritional yeast on the regular. I also heard something the other day about it being like kind of bad for the environment, which I didn't really look into. So I don't know exactly how true that is. It could be true. It could not be true. Do your own research because I clearly did not pursue that. How often would you say that you use nutritional yeast? Because I know that you said you're definitely a little bit more like plant-based than I am. I'd say I've definitely been making this tofu scramble more. So like outside of that recipe, I'd say maybe once or twice a month, which like you said, the most I've seen a recipe call for is a quarter cup, which makes you think it goes super fast like your bag. I think mine has lasted. It lasts longer than you think, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because I do that thing, I don't know if you do that thing, where you think you're running low, so you go and get an extra, but then you end up having two bags of it sitting in your pantry for like months because it doesn't run out when you think it will. But then also, you don't want to get to the point where you don't have any and you need it, so you just buy it anyway. I do that with uh, normal yeast a lot. The instant yeast, oh my gosh, all the time I'll be like shopping at the store and I'll be like, oh. I don't know. I don't know how many of these I have left. I should just pick some up. I think it's also like a byproduct of COVID where it's like, I just automatically am like, well, what if something happens and everybody buys everything out of the store? Because that was one of the first things to go. And so I'm like, I always want to have some on hand just in case like I would ever need it in case of an emergency. Your emergency yeast. Exactly. I do it with like anything though. Like, I don't know. the. Like the flour, the olive oil, anything. It's like, because I have this thing where I can't get to the point where like, let's say I'm trying to cook dinner or something. You go for it and it's not there. Like that's my worst case scenario because I'm that person where I feel like some people might just run out to the store and get one, but I'm not that person. I would probably just end up ordering takeout. I feel like I didn't necessarily used to be that, or I wasn't that person in the past who would run out to the store to get something, but I feel like since moving to the area where I live now, because Target is like a 10 or 15 minute walk, or like a two minute car ride, literally, 
I'm like, well, if I don't have something, I'll just walk to Target and pick it up and then come back. I'd rather walk than drive, even though the drive is quicker. Okay, here's the thing, though. Sometimes when things, I would say if it's 15 minutes or less, sometimes the time it takes you to get in your car, find a parking spot, get out, do your shopping, get back in the car and get back. The amount of time it takes to get in and out of your car and find parking, you could walk there and be there. This is true. This is why I like living in an area that's urban suburban. Mm-hmm. This is why the country life would not suit me well, because, well, actually, I don't know, because all the things I like about the living in the, like you said, urban suburban-ish type areas, I feel like I don't take advantage of the reasons. You know, I'm like, I like being near things so you can have things to do. And then it's like, Leanne, how many times do you leave the house? I'm like, zero if I can. I feel like with the whole living in an urban suburban area, though, I feel like it's nice to know that you have the option. Then when you do want to do something, it's much more convenient. I do have to say, though, I think like if I lived somewhere out in the country, I feel like I would enjoy different things about that versus living in an urban area. For example, the fact that your windows do not look into your neighbor's windows would probably be a big plus. The fact that you could raise chickens and no one would say anything about it, probably also a big plus. I just like how you're like... I kind of want to raise chickens. I would love to, okay? Like, sometimes I think about the future and I'm like, you know what? If all else fails, I'm just going to, like, buy a place somewhere that's going to be cheap for me to live and I'm just going to grow a whole bunch of plants and raise chickens and that will be my life. It sounds very, like, slow, you know? Slow pace of life. But doesn't that sound so nice? I'm like, I think about it and I'm like, That sounds really nice. I'm sure that there's a lot more things that are, you know, going to go into that. Like, I know maintaining a garden is not an easy task. I understand that having livestock, also not an easy task. I think the most I would want is chickens, though. Like, I don't want cows or anything like that. That's too much. Yeah. Well, part of me is like, would I milk a cow? And I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to milk a cow all the time. I feel like I'd be afraid that I'd get kicked. Oh my gosh, my dad, he used to uh he used to go someplace during the summer where like his family had a farm and so their neighbors were also farmers and they had cows. And so he would go over there to milk the cows for them early in the morning. So, it's just really funny to me because I think of like what my dad does now and it's very much like not in that vein at all. But, like, that would be his thing. He would go, he would milk cows, he would sell vegetables. Like, that was what he would do for his summers. And I'm like, is this man the same person as my dad? Like, this is crazy to me. A country boy. Yeah. See, I like the idea of having, like, a garden and stuff like that. But that also, that's so much work. I just think about how many hours you have to spend weeding. I feel like I'd like to have enough plants to self-sustain on some level in my apartment. Mm. Like, if I had a tomato plant and a bell pepper plant and, like, some basil and some cilantro, I feel like I would be a pretty happy camper. We grew tomatoes in the summer. Yeah, how did it go? You just put them in a pot. We always used to do them. We'd do tomatoes and cucumbers. And then I think my mom grows uh, Hungarian wax peppers because she likes uh, gazpacho. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's kind of fun, but then sometimes things will come and eat your vegetables. See, 
I don't have any areas for animals to come in my apartment, so. Oh, yeah. Well, these are outside. That makes a lot more sense. I feel like it's better for plants to be outside than inside. I feel like they're not as happy inside. I feel like we're happier outside, too. That's true. Oh, my gosh. Today I was talking to one of my coworkers about grounding. Have you ever heard about this concept? Yes, if it's what I think you're going to say, unless it's a different thing. Okay, so for grounding, it's like this notion that you need to be barefoot on the ground, like the grass or like the sand or like, you know, with the natural earth for like 30 minutes to an hour a day. And it's supposed to be really, really good for your health to be like walking around barefoot, like on the earth, because the idea is like, that's what we're intended to do. And so I don't know exactly what sort of health benefits it's supposed to have, but I remember like when I was in middle school or high school, my mom talked about it. So it was just so funny to me that today my coworker brought it up and she had heard of it too. Cause I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things that a lot of people might dismiss, but also like one summer I went around and I just didn't wear shoes when I was going outside, which made for some very dirty feet, but also like I did feel really healthy that summer. So I don't know. Was it related? Who knows? I feel like it's hard to tell, too, because I think just being outside can have a lot of positive effects. But I have two things. One, when you said grounding, I was thinking more the like when you're having a panic attack and they're like, touch five things. Look at three things. Describe the texture of two things. I was thinking more of that. And two, again, I forgot number two. I just like can't keep more than one thought in my head these days, which is really bad because I need to be able to do that. But I have uh, no clue what my second point was. If it comes back to you, be sure to let us know. It's gone. It left the station. I'm so sorry. For those of you that don't know, this literally happened 24 minutes and 20 seconds ago before we recorded. I also had a conversation with Kaylee where I had two thoughts and could only remember one of them. As Angela would like to say, my brain is Swiss cheese. I've begun using that. She said it to me at like one point like over text and now I just... It's integrated into my daily vocabulary. Whenever something happens and I'm like, well, that just happened. My brain is Swiss cheese. I said to my mom the other, maybe it was last week or the week before, I was like, mom, Swiss cheese has fewer holes than my brain. I guess we should just keep going. And if I ever remember, I'll say it. Did you want to talk about the other recipe? Yes. Tell us about yours. So this other recipe is like inspired by like sushi bowls. So I know that sushi is meant to have fish. I'm not here to detract from what sushi is. That's not my goal. I just thought it looked like a recipe that would be good and have a lot of vegetables. So this recipe is one that I like to make pretty frequently. Like it's kind of been one that's worked its way into my rotation just because I feel like a lot of the times I get lazy and I don't want to always cook my vegetables, like whether that's roasting them in the oven or like sauteing them in a pan just because my apartment gets very, very toasty because we don't have good airflow here. So what this recipe is, it's pretty much like cucumbers and carrots and rice and like tofu that's marinated in soy sauce with a little bit of avocado on top. And you just put it all in a bowl and you eat it. And I think it's really good. What did you think? I really like the marinade for the tofu in this recipe because... The longest step in it, I think, is just mincing the garlic. And literally, I already have it memorized. I made it twice because I made it once a couple weeks ago 
And then I made it today and I was going to make it for dinner. But then Kyle came back with food. and I was like, well, if I don't have to cook, I'm not going to make it. But the tofu is marinating, but it'll marinate like extra long this time. So I hope it doesn't fall apart. We'll see. Tune in. (laughs) Um, But it's literally like half cup soy sauce, quarter cup rice vinegar. Then you add one clove of garlic and then you add two tablespoons of agave. It's super simple. See, like you can make it once and basically have it memorized. Exactly. And I feel like that's one of the things that I like about it is like, it's not a recipe that I have to look at the recipe a lot. It's like, oh, I kind of know what I need to mix together and roughly the right amounts. But yeah, I really like it. I like to put the uh, everything but the bagel seasoning on top. And that makes it really, really good. Like, especially on top of the avocado. I don't know. It just, it's really good. Would recommend having it that way. I don't do like, I think she said she sometimes would put like a sriracha mayo thing on it, but I don't really do that. I don't know. I also tried sriracha for the first time like a couple months ago. And so maybe it's just that I'm not at that step yet, but we'll see. Okay. I feel like this is a very unpopular opinion, which I feel like we need a guest with the number of hot takes in this episode. But my hot take is sriracha's overrated. I feel like sriracha's good. But also, like, if you have too much sriracha on something, it's, like, a little overwhelming. Okay, so I tried sriracha once, maybe a couple years ago, maybe longer. I thought it was just okay. I much prefer just hot sauce. I could see that. It could also be my, like, natural inclination when something gets super popular for to me to kind of be like, well, that's not as good as it says. It's only because of the hype. But I just feel like it's not like it's not good. It's just overrated you know what i mean like it's good but like the reputation is like makes me think it's supposed to blow my mind away and it's just like oh this is good it's like frozen disney's frozen i for a second i was like frozen vegetables frozen dinners where are we going no it's like disney's frozen was it fine yes did it live up to the hype that everyone made for it absolutely not i liked frozen but I'm trying to remember if I, I might have seen it before it got like super, super hyped. I've watched Frozen one time. It was over winter break because I felt like I needed to watch it because everybody was so excited about it, right? Um, I really don't like the song Let It Go to the point where like I would just walk out of the room if someone was playing it. And then my roommates, when I was in college set their wake-up alarms to be let it go. One of my roommates said it to be let it go, but in Chinese. And, you know, it was it was a time. It was a time. Was it because they liked it, or was it because they thought it was funny how much it bothered you? It was definitely because they thought it was funny how much it bothered me. Could you imagine what if they slept through their alarm and just kept playing? <laughs> that, did that happen? It looks like it happened. It probably happened at one point and I've just blocked it from my memory. <laughs> but no, it was it was very funny. Like I give them props for it. It was a very funny thing to do. I still don't like that song though. See, I feel like that's an example of like a friendly it's not really a practical joke. It's like but a prank. like in that vein. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like I feel like that's just like a friendly one where no one's hurt, you know, nothing serious. I don't know. Frozen is just not my cup of tea. Back to the sushi bowls that are not made of sushi. It's made of tofu. But you could, I guess, if you wanted to. 
You probably could. I just, I don't know. I feel like people who make sushi at home, I always am like, where do you get your fish from? Because I would not know where to buy fish for sushi. Like the only thing I could really do is like imitation crab. And that's about it. I feel like imitation crab. Imitation crab. You could probably get from your regular supermarket and you'll be fine. I would not get raw fish from your regular supermarket. I'm not a health food safety expert. It just doesn't seem like the best idea to me. I would probably go to a fish store because I've been to a fish store a couple times and they do have like special like sushi grade fish, but I would go there if you're going to try it. I don't, not to knock the local grocery store, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't just because it's also like you don't know how fresh their fish is too. And I don't, my knowledge of sushi is not the best, to be frank with you. Like, I don't know that much. But I would think that if you're making sushi, you probably want some really fresh fish because it's going to stay raw. I was going to say, I'm definitely that person that will eat raw fish. Like, I'm not creeped out by that. I think I am a little creeped out about eating it at home. I feel like it kind of makes no sense because raw fish is raw fish. But in my head, I feel like if you're a sushi restaurant, you're charged with the knowledge of getting food that won't hurt me. Although I do know on all their menus, they have the little disclaimer about eating raw food. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I agree with that because it's like that would be a reason why I wouldn't make, for example, sushi with salmon at home is because I'm like, I just don't know enough about sushi and salmon to properly select what I should be eating. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the areas where I'm like, let's leave it to the professionals. (laughs) Yeah, I like this, too, because if say you like chopped up your carrots and like your cucumber or whatever else you wanted on the say Sunday. It makes it so fast because I feel like the longest part was cooking the tofu because I would flip it over individually and that takes a while. I would agree though. I think that the cooking of the tofu is pretty quick. What I like to do is sometimes I like to use the marinade sauce and do like two blocks of tofu so I can have a lot of tofu. The only thing is the second one won't absorb the marinade as well. I don't know why that is, but it won't. I doubled it the marinade this time because my thought process was I should have used it on two blocks of tofu that would be genius but last time I used it as a dressing like what wasn't soaked up and so I doubled it because there like wasn't quite enough left over but it's a really good dressing for something like with so few ingredients yeah and I feel like people who hate on tofu it really is just you need to find some good tofu recipes Because if you have just like tofu seared in a pan with oil, it's not going to be great. But I feel like both of these recipes today, I don't know about you, but I felt like they were pretty good and I would make them again. And so if you're somebody who's newer to tofu, like I would definitely recommend trying out these recipes. I think that you will like them a lot. But please, please, please be sure to press your tofu so you can get the tofu juice out. You can just you know, put it on a plate with some paper towels and then stack something heavy on top of it. You don't need a fancy tofu press because I was always under the impression that you did until I pressed my own tofu at home. And then I was like, wow, this is actually really easy. But please press your tofu. Okay, so 
I can't remember what episode this was on. It may be coming out after this. It may have already come out. I can't remember. But I remember talking about how the thing that bothers me about pressing tofu without a tofu press is like you waste all these paper towels and that makes me feel sad for the environment. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend this. It's been working out for me. Okay. I feel like some professionals may have a big problem with what I'm doing now. I just press it without the paper towels. After like 10 minutes, I just pour it off and then like stack it back up with the cans and then just let it press a little more and then pour it off because I just feel bad about the paper towel use. That makes sense. I mean, honestly, if that works for you, I would keep doing it. Honestly, I might try that next time just to see how it goes. See, I feel like what helps if you do that is you do need to go off and like pour the water, the tofu juice into the sink because I feel like it helps it squeeze more out if it's not just because if it's sitting in its own tofu juice and it's just going to reabsorb it, kind of like how the paper towels are supposed to soak it up. But I did it actually when I made your recipe and it soaked up the marinade just fine. So I'm going to keep doing it until it doesn't work for me. That sounds good. I think that that's a good tip too, especially because a lot of people, maybe you don't have paper towels at home. Maybe you're trying to be environmentally conscious. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but in my imaginary world, right? I feel like a lot of the people who we would attract as listeners to this podcast probably fall in that like environmentally conscious vein where they're like, hey, like I want to be mindful of like the waste that I produce and like the things that I consume. And so I feel like people who listen to this might be inclined to try that as well. I think another tip, you could just use a clean kitchen towel, but I'm lazy and don't want more laundry. Not to mention, sometimes I feel like soy can smell like kind of bad after a while. So unless you wash it right away, it would probably not smell too great. <laughs> I thought you meant like like tofu when you open it. I'm like, oh, I never only really noticed an odor on mine. <laughs> you mean if it's sat? If it's sat, yeah, I feel like it doesn't smell so great. Yeah, I think my like once a week laundry venture would not work out with that. You'd have to like specifically plan it on like, this is laundry day. I'm going to do it today. You just press all your tofu for the week. <laughs> it's got to line up with laundry. It's almost like when you like have your hair washing schedule, but then sometimes you have an event and it doesn't line up with your hair washing schedule and then you have an existential crisis on what to do. You have a schedule for your hair washing? Yeah, it's like every every other day. You have more curly hair, right? Or you used to? Used to. Because I think if you have curly hair, it gets less greasy than straight hair. I feel like it's a delicate balance too, because I know you're not supposed to overwash your hair. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of hard to to know. I feel like with my hair, like if I wash it like every other day, it's probably going to be pretty good because it's not as curly as it was before. Sometimes I think about like going and getting it permed to see if I would like it curly again, but then I have commitment issues and then I don't do it. But like a perm isn't permanent permanent. It's like a good amount permanent. Yeah, but like what if it looks weird when it like grows out or when it starts to wear off? Like I just, I don't know. I worry about it or I'm like, or this is also something I worry about. I read this book called Good Enough when I was like, a small child in middle school and this girl I think her mom like permed her hair to like have like more of a wave rather than like a curl right and the girl just talked about in the book 
how much it absolutely burned her scalp. And I'm just like, oh, that does not sound like a pleasant experience. And so I think because of that, I just worry. I'm like, what if I go and try to get my hair permed? And then it's just like my head feels like it's on fire. I've heard that about hair relaxers. Is that because they're the same thing, like the same chemicals? I think so, because I remember learning about this in biology where it's like it breaks down something in your hair so that it can like reform the shape. Because like curly hair has an oval cuticle, I think is the word for it. I could be wrong, you guys. I am not a hairdresser. The possibility is strong that I am misusing these words. But like curly hair, I think, is oval in shape, whereas like straight hair is more circular. And that's why curly hair has that like curl to it, because it's like you have this perpetual oval going on, whereas straight hair is just like the same all the way through. I feel like this is at least the second or third time we've had hair tangents on this podcast. I feel like at this point, one of us just needs to befriend a hairstylist so they can come on and answer our questions. So I know two hairstylists, as a matter of fact. One is a girl who was on our dance team. She was a hair, or she went to cosmetology school. And so I could probably ask her these questions if I run into her. And another is a girl who's going to be in the bridal party for my cousin's fiance's wedding. Well, I guess it's technically my cousin's wedding too, but for my cousin's wedding. So I could try to befriend her and she has curly hair. So I feel like she would know a lot of things too. Yeah, you should befriend her because I feel like it be, might be kind of weird for you to ask a student. I don't think you could ask a student. I don't really want to ask a student. Okay, that will be your goal for the wedding. Forget the happy couple. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> and focus on befriending the hairstylist. Definitely. Okay, I've, <laughs> I've got my task now. You can be like, sorry, cousin. Congratulations. I need to go, go talk to the hairstylist. I have a mission. I could totally see. Okay, so my cousin, I think, listens to this podcast, and I could totally see him going to his fiance after this and being like, well, Kaylee's going to befriend your friend, <laughs> FYI, <laughs> just so you know. I guess, it's, we, I guess we couldn't call it a top secret mission then. No, it's a very, it's a very public mission at this point. <laughs> I mean, also, if you pass the podcast along, maybe you won't have to do as much work. Maybe she'll just be available. That's true. But yeah, I've thought about going to get my hair cut by her because I feel like if you're somebody who has curly hair, I feel like it's hard for you to trust somebody who does not have curly hair to cut your hair because a lot of the times they will style it as though it's straight hair and it's not. It's kind of like, I don't know if it would be vice versa as well because I, I don't have hair that's 100% straight. I haven't for years. But I feel like you want somebody who's got a hair type similar to yours because then it makes you feel like they know how to do their hair so they will know how to do my hair. I mean, for like the last, how old am I? Decade and a half. My hair has been cut by guys. So first there's a hairstylist that I went to for a while. And then because I'm in law school and I'm on that student loan life, now Kyle cuts my hair. Dang, Kyle cuts your hair? I'm jealous. Yeah, because the set of scissors, which again, if you're a professional hairstylist, you're probably cringing, but the set of scissors was like 20 bucks on Amazon and each haircut was 70 something plus tip. Dude, haircuts are so expensive. I was talking to my coworkers about, this is like 
majorly tangential, you guys. I am so sorry to my listeners who are like, I don't care about your hair at all. Like, please stop talking. I apologize. It's like the blogs. Instead of talking about tofu, we're talking about our haircuts. You're so right. Oh my gosh, we are literally the blogs right now. We can't even hate on them anymore. We we have become what we disliked. <laughs> Wait, where was that? I don't know. Something's extremely tangential. Oh, yeah. Talking about haircut prices. So I was talking to two of my coworkers, and one of them said that her haircut runs like $200, and the other one said it was like $300 for hers. And like, granted, like they get some like coloring done, but I was like, that's still so incredibly expensive. Like, I'm not against paying people for their time and like what they do and their skill. But like, can you imagine having like a $200 or $300 expense every like three to four months? No, because when I did get my haircut at a salon, I got cut like twice a year because that's a lot of money. And again, like you was like, I don't have problems paying people for their time. It's just, I need a job first. Yeah. Or like, the thing is too, it's kind of, I mean, this could just be like the current stage that I'm at in life right now. But like, I don't necessarily have two or three hundred dollars to go and spend on a haircut every three to four months. Like, that's currently not where I'm at because it's like, I want to try to save up for a house. I want to try to save up for all of these other things. And it's like, haircut or house? I know which one I'm going to pick. Yeah, I can see that. I think if you're getting stuff dyed, I think more especially if it's like special highlights and stuff like that. Yeah, go get them done professionally. I think also because my hair is straight, it's relatively easy to cut at home. Now, if I cut it myself, it might end up super wonky. But if I feel like if someone else is looking at my hair and cutting it, it's going to turn out decent. Like, it's kind of hard to mess up because I don't do anything crazy. Yeah. Sometimes I think about having like, maybe my mom cut my hair. I would not. I probably wouldn't have my boyfriend cut my hair because he's a perfectionist, so I think he would freak out. Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd just be there for hours as he's, like, trimming, like, hair by hair. (laughs) I mean, I could see it because he's very much perfectionist. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. He'd probably be like, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I think it would just make him very anxious, which is why I would not wish that upon him. But I don't know. I feel like when I've... I think at one point I might have asked my mom if she would cut my hair for me. But I think she was also like kind of nervous that she would mess it up. And so I think it's hard to like find someone who's comfortable cutting your hair who's like, I am confident that I will not mess this up. That is hilarious because I forget even how it started. But then Kyle just ordered a thing on Amazon, literally watched like half of two different YouTube videos and then just like, I'm here with the scissors. Okay, I've heard that there's this method where it's like you put your hair in ponytails and you flip it over the top of your head and you can like, you know, like cut it yourself. And then you do like the little cuts like this. My people on the podcast, you can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but Leanne can. But I heard that you do that with like three separate layers and then you have layers in your hair and it works just fine and dandy. But I'm also like, that works well for people with long hair. But a lot of the times my hair is not that long. Like sometimes I like my hair short. I've also heard things where, like, those videos are kind of misleading because they feel like they don't always work. And then if they don't work and you don't have someone to fix it, you have to do, like, the walk of shame to a hairdresser to fix it for you. 
Yeah. Sometimes I think about just going to like, I don't know, like a great clips or something. But then I'm also like worried that I'll see somebody that I know and then they'll judge me. But also like $20 haircuts. I know. But then also $20 haircuts. I know. I feel like you got to leave a really generous tip if somebody's giving you a $20 haircut. (laughs) We should wrap it up before it becomes a hair episode. We definitely should. Well, anyway, thank you for joining us. Our next book club is going to be Made in Korea by Sarah Souk, and that will be dropping on May 2nd. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on tofu. I think we highlighted two very excellent tofu recipes and our, you know, mini episode, mini discussion on hair. If you enjoyed this episode, please send us an email or DM us on Instagram. You can send us an idea for a future dinner party. And don't forget to rate Zillennial's podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.